funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. gentlemen welcome back to another episode of the silver scream video as we continue uh this halloween scary movie month what have you been up to how's new york is it is you know our pumpkins out i mean i know you guys were getting flooded for a while i really didn't want to talk about weather but we have to like point out you guys were underwater for a for a, a while right like there was, did that affect you at all it didn't um it didn't it didn't affect me in my little sliver of Manhattan here. But yeah, there were certain especially out in Brooklyn, um there's a neighborhood called Park Slope, which is called that because it is literally a slope. And I don't have to tell you what happened at the bottom end of the slope in Park Slope. Okay. Uh yeah, I mean there were I mean there were full basement apartments that were just completely flooded. It was absolutely wild. But uh no, I'm I'm up on the the third floor, so I uh, I escaped any of that. So, um, so you were basically like looking down on these peasants who were being flooded, and you were like up in your castle, like right. safe. <laughs> Actually, no, I was I'm up in my castle, just looking at the other rich people who are walking around and you know having a nice uh, kind of a rainy Manhattan afternoon while uh, you know two miles away somebody's drowning in their basement apartment. So, so you. <laughs> You so can basically be just another day in New York. You can be honest. If if the streets were flooding and people were pounding on the door to get in, would you buzz them in or would you just watch them drown in the street? I mean, you know, it's really hard to hear my buzzer when it's raining and I just, uh, you know, and I don't want to get the carpet wet and all that. So, you know, probably not. They're probably going to have to drown down the street. <laughs> well, so. Well, you know, this reminds me of, of a, this isn't a life threatening issue clearly, but I was at the gym the other day and I saw a guy like beating on the door. Cause it's one of those gyms you have to like buzz yourself in with a key mm-hmm. and he's like beating on the door. And I walk over and he's like, I forgot my key. Will you let me in? And I just look at him for a second and then just walk off because, <laughs> <laughs> because it's like. The keys exist for a reason, right? How do I know you're a member? What if I let you in and like, you know, you're not a member? You know what I mean? Um, so I decided yeah, what would I, happen I, then? Well, you so know, I don't, society I, would I don't, collapse. I don't want to get in trouble. Like, what if, you know, you're, you're just letting randos in? So it's like, I respect your decision to let them drown in the street. Uh, I, I would want to get uh, that mess in my apartment, you know, on the on the carpet and whatnot. So. Yeah, there's a, I forget what it's, I think maybe it's Seinfeld. Um, Elaine gets kicked out of her apartment because she lets a jewel thief into the, <laughs> into the building. And they, they, like one of the tenants is, or one of the people in the apartment is mad at her. And she's like, I didn't know he was a jewel thief. And they're like, that's the point. You're like, you're not supposed <laughs> to let anybody you don't know up. Well, you know what? Seinfeld reminds me before we jump into before we jump into our what we've been watching, scary movies and whatnot. Uh, this isn't Halloween related, but I feel like the listeners deserve to know since we've spoken about it on our previous episodes. Are you still on your Frasier journey? H- have you watched the reboot? I've heard mixed reviews about it. I mean, dude, first of all, to ask me if I'm on my 
Frasier journey still. I mean, I'm, I plan on continuing this Frasier journey for the rest of my life, I think. Um, okay. Well, are you, just, so you're, so you're just going to start over when you watch them all or I think I do. Well, I'll tell you this. I think it's going to be like an office thing for me. You know, I've rewatched the office so many times and I think like, I think I'm going to do it with Frasier, man. I, I love Frasier so much. Um, regarding the reboot, I'd rather not think about it or talk about it or acknowledge it in any way. Um, really? So you're not going to watch it. I mean, nobody else is involved from the original. I mean, except for Frasier and like, dude, I've seen the trailer because they play it before every fucking episode on Paramount Plus. Dude, I, I, I don't think I can do it, man. <laughs> I really, you know, I really don't. I mean, morbid curiosity kind of like I, I kind of had morbid curiosity at first. But now, like after spending a lot of time with these characters and in this world, I'm just like, I don't. I don't need this in my life. You know, I don't need the stress that comes from watching a white haired Frasier interact with who God knows who, you know, like, what is it? And he, does he move back to Boston or he moves to Chicago or something? I don't, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I have I'm, no idea what it's about. I've just heard mixed things is all. Yeah. No, nobody's in it. Like literally nobody from the original series is in it. And, um, yeah, not for me thing. I, I don't want to be reminded of the rapid passing of time while looking at Kelsey Grammer's, you know, ancient face. Like I'm, I'm good, man. Just, just let me turn on old classic Frasier and let me fantasize that it's 1993 again, you know? Well, uh, to cap off this sitcom television, sitcom discussion, I will say the other night during a stand-up set, Jerry Seinfeld was asked about the, a Seinfeld reunion type thing, because we kind of got one, I think it was like season four of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. uh, or I forgot what season. It was a great season that, you know, he gets everybody back together to do like a reboot or of Seinfeld. And that was the closest anybody ever came. But Jerry Seinfeld is now teasing an extension of the show. Larry David is involved. I don't know if this is in the new season of Curb that has already been shot, but is not does not have a release date or if they are literally working on a separate project. But I'll tell you this, if they convince Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld to do a, a, a new thing, I don't know. God only knows how much money. I mean, it had to be, they're both so filthy rich from it already. I'm but it had to be insane. I'm wondering what streaming service could have like, no, none of the streaming services are like spending money anymore. Like I wonder uh, maybe Apple, I guess. Maybe it's App Apple's turn. Maybe they back the dump trucks up for something like that. Yeah, I mean, apparently it has to do with the finale because, you know, a lot of people were pissed off about that finale. Did you know, like, 85 million people watched that? That's nuts. Oh, dude, you, st you start looking at old television broadcasts, and it's like, I did that one time. I looked at, like, the top 30, like, televised broadcasts of all time, and it's like, Oh wow! Like a hundred million people watched Monday Night Football in 1996. <laughs> like it's really Jesus. wild. People used to really watch the the old TV, you know. Well, this week we actually uh, are doing a lot of viewing as well uh, with our Criterion 90s horror. Now, this is something you picked, but before we get to it, I've got a rundown of a few movies I've watched. I'll give you and the listeners a little bit of insight on them. If you guys want to watch them, this will give this. We're still pretty early in October. 
the uh, guys have plenty of time to check any of these out. But I'm assuming you have not watched anything not podcast related since you watch all 12 of these movies, or I think there's 11. There's 11. I watched nine of them. Well, actually, I watched In the Mouth of Madness. I forgot. So I watched 10 of them. Okay. Um, so let me run through my list real quick, and then we will run through that list. We're not gonna we're not gonna be able to have a conversation on all of them, guys. Some of them I didn't have a chance to watch, but uh, either way, we figured it'd give you guys a good little look into this setup that Criterion's doing, and also get Criterion and watch some of them if you want to, because there are some bangers in this list. Um, yeah, it's a little change, a little change of format, but uh, I thought it might be fun to just kind of explore uh, one of one of the Criterion. Um, what do they call it? I guess they call it like a collection or something. Yeah, just know. '90s horror. I yeah. do want to point out that for the last couple of years, you were the one that was telling me that we shouldn't overdo it on Halloween the way we did the first year. And when we discussed what we were going to do this week, you're the one that was like, let's just watch some of the, the, the nineties horror. Actually, fuck it. I'll watch all of them. So, <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you know, not to get too behind the scenes, I knew you were going to have a busy week. And so I was just like, I'm, I was having a great time anyways. And so like, I was just like, I'm going to, I'm just going to keep watching these in case, you know, you didn't have a chance to watch any of them. Honestly, I didn't know. And so that's why I was just like, man, I'm, and I was having a great time. So, you know, yeah. Well, I'd already seen half of them and, uh, I figured that too. When when I looked at the list, I was like, John has to have seen most of these. And a couple of them, I, I think, or I still, I hold pretty highly, uh, but we will, we will get to that. Let's uh, let's do a quick rundown. So I I have been watching a lot of scary movies. Uh, the first thing I will say is an oldie, but not a goodie. Hmm. I took my wife to see House of a Thousand Corpses because it was in theaters for its twentieth anniversary. It's one of her favorite horror movies. Um, I hated it so much. <laughs> like. I hate this movie. I hate this movie with like a burning passion. Like, dude, we've talked about Rob Zombie before. He has a style. I get it. Some aspects of his style I appreciate. But this movie just grates on my nerves so badly. It was only my second time watching it. I, I, I watched it when it first came out. You know, I, 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 it came out 20 years ago. I think I watched it a year after it came out. So this is the first time revisiting it. And it's... It's so bad. And for all you Rob Zombies out the uh, Rob Zombie lovers out there, if we have any listeners who like him, that's fine. I'm glad you have something you like, but the man has never really made a good movie. Because his Halloween remakes, we've also briefly discussed on on this podcast before, are bad. They're abysmal. Um, but I don't know, man. Have you ever seen House of a Thousand Corpses? Cuz I know we've discussed it briefly, but I can never remember if you've seen it or not. No, I've never seen it. This is deep. Uh, this is deep Jonathan lore for me, <laughs> House of a Thousand Corpses, because I've known uh, that your wife uh, loves this movie and I've known that you hate this movie. So it's, you know, it's one of those things where I'm like, I don't know, I guess I guess I'll never watch it. Probably, you know, um, you know, I, I would I, I wouldn't I wouldn't suggest you watch it. Um, <laughs> it's just uh, it's just so bizarre and it doesn't make any sense and on the one hand i like it because rob zombie was able to get a budget well the interesting thing is like the movie was made and then universal saw a cut of it 
and they literally were like, what the fuck did you do? Like, what <laughs> is this? We can't, it, what is happening? Like, but then it's like, I get frustrated when I hear that because Rob Zombie's talked about this several times. He gave a nice little intro in front of the movie as well. And it's like, you motherfuckers read the script. Somebody in your office read the script. What did you think was, it, what do you think it was going to look like on screen if you read that script? Like, right. you know, there's literally a scene where a man rips the skin off of another man and wears it like a suit. How did that look in the script to you? Did you think <laughs> it would translate differently to the fucking screen? I, I mean, I thought it'd be classier on the screen. Yeah. We thought him, him slowly cutting this old man's skin off to wear it around would just be, would just be classier. We thought you'd, you know, uh, make it look <laughs> fancy. Uh, uh, the only thing I can appreciate about the movie is Sid Haig's in it and he's a Western guy. So, there's quite a few Western references that I thought are really funny and kind of clever. And, uh, and also there's a little bit of peck and paw in this movie. Look, I don't want to get too crazy. So take that very loosely, but he does a lot of the same editing tricks that peck and paw used in straw dogs. And I do know Rob zombie is a fan of a lot of different artists, specifically in the seventies. He loves the trashy grindhouse feel to some of those horror movies. And, some of those exploitative films. So um, there's stuff there stylistically that you can appreciate, but the movie's just so bad. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll probably never watch it. I, um, like I said, this is deep Jonathan lore for me. Um, I can't, I can't see the, the name of the movie or, or hear it without thinking of you and your wife. So uh, yeah, I'll probably <laughs> never watch it. Yeah. Yeah. I, like I said, I, I wouldn't suggest you do, but, I'm going to give you a few that I, I do suggest. These are these are some just real quick Halloween uh, recommendations. One of them, this is streaming on Hulu. It's called No One Will Save You. Have you heard about this movie? Hmm. Okay. It stars Caitlin Deaver, who I'm a big fan of from Booksmart. She was one of the co-leads in that movie. She's really funny. The interesting thing about this is there's no dialogue in it. It's an hour and a half, and there's literally one line of dialogue. So it's yeah, yeah. So it's about an alien invasion, and I can't really, I don't want to say anything else because it, it, it honestly wasn't what I expected when I looked up the ratings on this. Like it has like a two point seven um, on on Google, but I disagree with that. I think there was a lot to like about this movie. Now it does unravel a little bit in the last like 15 minutes. You can kind of tell uh, uh, Brian Duffield wrote it and directed it. You can kind of tell he kind of wrote himself into a corner a little bit, but there is a really interesting thread on Twitter that I advise not to read until you've seen the movie because Guillermo del Toro was quite taken by this movie and he wrote a very interesting thread likening this movie to the Catholic church. And mm. it was very, I, 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 it was, it was just a very clever way to look at it. I didn't get that much out of it, but I can definitely see the, that there's kind of strands there that you could follow. But uh, anyway, it's on Hulu and I recommend it. It's really interesting. It's almost a border borderline experimental, uh, not having any dialogue. So interesting. Okay. Right. And I'll tell you, I don't know if no dialogue is going to be the trend for a bit, but literally a day after I watched this, John Woo's new action movie that comes out in December that I cannot fucking wait to see is called Silent Night. Also, no little to no dialogue in it. 
Really? Yeah, you should look up the trailer for it. And the listeners, you guys should check it out. Uh, Joel Kinnaman's in it, but don't hold that against it because I'm sure John Woo can make it work even with him in it. But it's about, uh, like, the trailer is like him and his wife and his kid are playing in the front yard, and his kid gets shot and killed, and he gets shot in the throat, so I, I guess he can't talk. And he literally just, obviously, as you watch the trailer, you can put it together. It's going to be pretty by the numbers, I feel certain. He's just going to kill everybody that's responsible for killing his kid. But it's John Woo. I know John Woo hasn't translated to American audiences very well with some of his action, but I'm still going to watch this movie in the theater. You know, hopefully it goes to the theater. So, my God, that's incredible. I had no idea there was a new John Woo movie coming out. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. So uh, another movie that I would, uh, I would highly recommend to you and the listeners, Totally Killer. It is on Amazon Prime. And it's got the uh, the girl that plays in Mad the daughter in Mad Men. I forgot her name. Uh, oh, Karen Shipka. Yeah, she plays the lead, and it's basically Back to the Future meets a slasher movie. Mm, and uh, okay. it was a lot. It was a lot of fun. It was rated R, so you got some good violence. You got some good kills. Uh, I love time travel shit. I love anything to do with time loops, time travel. It's usually very entertaining. So it's kind of it's a horror comedy. Uh, the only, the biggest issue is when she traveled back in time, they really leaned into, uh, like her calling out all the problematic things that happened in the eighties and that got old really fast, but it's only for a small section. The rest of it's really entertaining. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. So if you're bored looking for kind of a charming, funny, uh, horror movie to put on, I recommend this and it's on prime and most people have that. Okay, okay. And uh, two other ones. And I watched the new Insidious. I highly recommend if you're a fan of the series or if you just want to watch a good, scary movie. Patrick Wilson, this is his first uh, time directing. I don't know if you've watched any of the Insidious movies, but I'm a fan of most of them. So I, th- I think this is the fifth installment. Uh, well, buddy, we did a podcast on, I think, first three Insidious movies. So We did, we did it out on all three of them? Yeah, How did I get first... you to watch all three Insidiouses? Yeah, the first Insidious year. High. The first, or our first year, our first October, that was that watching the, maybe it wasn't all three, maybe it was just the first two. I don't know, but yeah, watching them was the very, uh, was the, uh, one of our big, f- very first Halloween extravaganzas. Jesus, that seems like a lifetime ago. Okay, so, mm-hmm. well, the good news is. It was, if you're three years old. <laughs> That's true. Um. <laughs> The first the, the good news is if you've seen the first two, you can skip three and four and watch five because three and four don't have anything to do with the original family. So this is picking up with the family after Insidious 2. So uh, so we, uh, we must have just watched the first two then. Yeah. So this is good. You know, they put a little character in it. It dealt more about like the relationship between the the parent and the kid more than like obviously there was some good horror, but. I don't know. I found it to be kind of charming. Uh, it's not my favorite installment, but hey, man, James Wine just is the gift that keeps on giving. Like the dude, he has so many franchises. We've talked about him. We did an episode on him. I've sang his praises a lot. I still think he is awesome, and and this continues to prove it. Saw 10 is in theaters right now. How fucking nuts is that shit? Dude, 10. That's, that's yeah, insane. Dude. And not just that, it made money. And not not only did it make money, like like a significant amount of money, 
some people are saying it's like one of the better saws to come out. So how like the fact that they can still do that after so many is just really kind of mind blowing. Hey man, shout out, to, <laughs> shout out to him for turning a, just a random movie that seemed uh, uh, like just a, a one off whenever I saw it in 2003 or whenever that was. And now it's a big franchise. Ten movies later, still making money, you know? Yeah, it's fucking nuts, dude. Um, the last thing real quick. I just want to give everyone a warning because it just came out. I think two days ago, the new pet cemetery prequel. It is arguably the worst movie I've watched, not just this year, but in a few years. Wow. That's and, <laughs> and typically, typically I don't hold movies like that to a standard enough to where I'm going to rank it as like one of the worst movies I've ever seen. But I'm a big fan of Pet Cemetery, the book, and I'm a big fan of the original Pet Cemetery. So there's a lot of Stephen King lore that exists there. So I kind of hold it to a higher standard. But this absolute pile of garbage that Paramount Plus put out is embarrassing. It, it like it should be embarrassing as a studio to put that out on a streaming service. Wow. Okay. All so right. remember how I told you Last Voyage of the Demeter? The vampire, the movie with Dracula I watched a few months ago. I, I've talked about it here briefly. Uh, they took out one chapter of the original Dracula novel about when he's being transported on the boat, and they made a movie out of it. Right, right. This this prequel is literally out of one chapter of a story within the, the Pet Cemetery book about a guy whose son comes back. He died in the war from World War II, I believe. This one, they changed it to Vietnam. But anyway, in the book, he buries him and brings him back, and there's like, but that's it. It's one chapter, and then like it moves on. They decided to make a whole movie out of that, and it is abysmal. It is it is just, it is embarrassingly bad. So if anybody's thinking about watching it out of sheer curiosity, watch something else, because this isn't even a matter of you might, you might like it. It's a matter of it is so bad I don't see how it's possible that you would like it. Damn. Okay. All right. Yeah, dude. I fucking hate to talk shit, like talk a lot of shit about a movie like that, but it's like, it's, it's just, dude, these fucking streaming services, you know, I'm not going to rant about it because we fucking beat that horse to death uh, too many times. But uh, yeah, man, these fucking I mean, streaming services. Sometimes the situation calls for it, man. They're just putting out like IP based content. Like, hey, remember Pet Cemetery, that movie that you saw or that book you read one time? Well, look, here's another piece of content. And it's just like the dumbest piece of shit imaginable. And it's like, all right, what are you know, what are we doing here? So, you know, I appreciate it. I appreciate the bashing. You know, sometimes need these uh, streaming services need to be uh, held accountable, you know? Yeah, and I would say if there's a listener out there who liked it and wants to hit us up on Twitter and tell me why I'm wrong, I would say do it, but I don't think that's possible. <laughs> so don't do it. Um, It'd be like saying, if you're a unicorn, call in. <laughs> but anyway, that's it. Although that's my, that, that's actually, my movie rundown. If you are out there, if you are, do we, if we have any unicorn listeners, actually do, do call in. Do Leave us a voicemail or something if that's actually happening. Just, you know, just so we get that out there. That's true. Um, but yeah, so that's it, man. That That's my scary movie watching. Uh, so let's let's jump into this, dude. This is 90s horror on Criterion. 
They have 11 of them. Let's do, let's just kind of do a rundown of them and then just kind of decide which ones we want to touch on. You guys can watch any of these, get Criterion. Also, some of them are streaming on other services for free. Uh, but we thought this would be kind of fun. And like, and like Jacob said, change up pace a little bit. So, yeah, they have, uh, for those who don't know the Criterion channel, uh, they have, you know, little, little collections and little, I guess, is that what they're called? Collections? Uh, uh, yeah, they like, they do them every month. Like there's noir months and horror months and shit like that. So, and they've got some good ones, uh, on here this month. I'm, uh, they've got a art house horror, which I'm, uh, I was actually watching a movie from there whenever we, uh, uh, decided to start, uh, recording, uh, pre-code horror. They got a lot of interesting stuff there. And then, of course, 90s horror, um, you know, is the one that we're, we're going to be talking about. Let's get the two main ones out of the way because we've done um, episodes on them before. And we are, you know, obviously big fans of both of these movies. Um, In the Mouth of Madness, which I talked about last week. Um, you know, if you know, you know, come on, it's a classic. N- nothing really needs to be said about that movie. Uh, and the other one that we've talked about before is The Exorcist 3 which we talked about on a, an episode about uh, horror movie sequels. Uh, and uh, Exorcist 3 is flat out fucking terrifying. Um, so, you know, n- no more. Uh, I can't. I don't think we can endorse either of those hi- more highly. Right. You got, you got anything on either of those movies before we move on? No. I mean, we've we've discussed both of them. Like you said, we talked about Mouth of Madness last week. But I, I'll just say once again, like. In the Mouth of Madness is one of the greatest horror movies ever made. Sam Neill is great mm. in it. But but if you remove that from this list, because I do think that's the best movie on this list, there's another movie that's almost as good to me that still fucking rocks. We'll get to it because I'm curious to see what you think. Uh, but I was really surprised to see it in this collection and really happy with it being there. So, Well, let's hear it, man. Let's start with that one. Which one, which one are you talking about? Ravenous. It's... Mm. Uh, that movie fucking owns, dude. I watched that when I was a kid. Was, I think I watched it in like 2001, 2002. And I didn't really know what to make of it. And then I've, I've watched it like probably 10 times since. And I just love the historical nature of it. I, the cast is great. And then you you roll in cannibalism and like a touch of like implied supernatural shit. And just, just such a brutal, nasty movie. Like I just, it, it holds up so fucking good to me. Yeah, no, I, I, well, let's talk a little bit about what it's about. So Ravenous is from 1999 and it's got uh, Guy Pierce in it. And uh, he's really the only kind of recognizable actor. I guess Robert Carlyle. Um, hey, don't be sleeping on David Arquette, dude. Okay. That's right, David Arquette, uh, Jeremy Davies. If you if you're a if you're a uh, '90s and early 2000s character actor aficionado, you will know a lot of people in this movie. Uh, but Guy Pierce is the main guy, and he basically plays a um, a uh, uh, I guess a captain in the in the army, and this is like it, it's a western. It's like almost like a cavalry, like John Ford cavalry type setting. Um, they're wearing like their blue coats and their swords and their epaulets and all that. And he gets uh, sent to this like abandoned post with, you know, basically a bunch of, uh, 
I don't know, a bunch of also rans who, you know, also got posted to this like isolated post in the middle of nowhere. And basically they all turn into zombies, you know, <laughs> like there's really no reason to, <laughs> to say anything else other than that. They basically all turn into zombies and plot mechanics really don't matter. Um, I didn't know what to make of this movie because there's a really interesting thing at the beginning where it has like a quote at the beginning because I read the description of what it's about and I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. But I read a or the the quote comes up and it's like, I forget what it says. It says like man's darkest need is to destroy himself or some some shit like that. And then beneath it, it says, "Eat me," and it's like, it, it, like it, it's it it posts the words "eat me" like it's also like a very serious quote and then like the background music it goes like doing like it's like you're watching dumb and dumber or something <laughs> and i was like what the hell kind of movie is this like it's because it, it plays like a comedy sometimes but like i don't know man this is just one of those 90s artifacts where you're watching you're like dude they spent real fucking money on this thing like they they, they really went out there and filmed in the fucking mountains and built all these sets so these guys could just turn into zombies and pretend to eat each other on camera. And it's like, man, that age of Hollywood did not last very long. <laughs> like where they were just making shit like this. And um, I really, I guess it, that's man. why, I guess that's why I like it so much. Cause it's so weird and it does feel like an artifact. Like, Oh yeah. No, man. It's just one of those movies where it's like, I just, this movie is just fun. I don't know. I don't know why it is, but it's, I really enjoy it. I mean, can you imagine this thing getting made today? I mean, no, if you made this today, it would be a big self-serious, you know, uh, type thing. Like there would, it wouldn't be nearly as playful and as fun as it is. And, um, and boy, are these guys getting down on each other. I mean, they are munching it up something fierce. (laughs) Yeah, dude, they're, they don't, they don't shy away from, from that. And I love the fact that like, it does introduce the idea of like consuming the body and the spirit kind of thing. Mm. Like, I don't know. It was just, uh, I just liked what they did, man. They really just kind of leaned into it. They didn't give a shit. They were just like in the snow and they were just, we're just going to do whatever we can do. You know, it's just don't have a lot of money. So let's just have a lot of fun. So, yeah. And that's exactly what it is. I mean, and there's some, I, there is some deeper stuff in here. I think, I mean, you know, manifest destiny and, and and that kind of thing and it being like a cannibal western is you know it's it's definitely interesting but i mean really you're in it for the you're in it for the fact that this is basically dances with wolves but with <laughs> with zombies honestly like it's, <laughs> it's so sick man it is I, I can guarantee nobody out there has ever seen a movie like this um and was this your i don't i, don't, I can't remember if you said this already or not was this your first time watching it this is my first time watching all nine of these that we're going to talk okay, about. Okay. Yeah. So I had not seen any of these before. So I, uh, no, I really enjoyed this one. I, I loved it. I, I thought it was great and definitely give it a hearty recommendation. If you want to see uh guy Pierce eat somebody. Um, but yeah, which one, uh, which one should we move on to? Which one should we talk about next? You have one Let's- or you me throw one out there. No, I, there's one that I, okay. This is, I hate to use the term guilty pleasure. Mm. to describe a movie because like if you like it you like it you shouldn't feel bad about it but i think this kind of fits that description because i've seen this movie like a dozen times and it's so goofy and stupid 
but it's so much fun. And that's tells from the crypt demon Knight. Mm, yeah, dude. Billy Zane is just so hammy and I love seeing William Sadler in anything. Um, I mean, basically just to give you guys a quick rundown of what it's about is these people, <laughs> these people are like in this, in this like a uh, hotel where they're, where they're having to fight off demons because he's trying to, uh, Billy Zane's character is, uh, man, what is he trying to do? He's trying to bring about, he's trying to bring the darkness back, right? That's what he's trying to do. I have no fucking um, clue. He, Billy Zane is a bad guy who's like a demon or he controls demons and he's trying to get in this boarding house to do something. I forget what, but yeah. boy, is he trying to get in. And William Sadler is like this demon, this demon slayer type, and he's carrying the blood of Christ around. And like mm. he can create sills with it. And like there's some great character actors. And dude, it's just it's just such a fun movie that makes no fucking sense at all. But I don't know if you did you ever see the other because they did two of them. They did Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight and Tales from the Crypt Bordello of Blood with fucking Dennis Miller. No, no, I've, I've never seen either of them. Um, OK, well, Dennis, do you know what Bordello of Blood is? No, I don't know. Yeah, he's ba- Dennis Miller basically plays himself, and there is like a whorehouse or brothel, whatever the fuck you want to call it, of vampires. And <laughs> it is oh, it is boy. so goofy. And just imagine Dennis Miller, like SNL Dennis Miller, just like basically talking to the camera in that Dennis Miller way the whole movie. <laughs> it sounds uh, like a nightmare. Dude, no, it's it's fun. Like this one's this one in my opinion is is superior in every way. But uh, anyway, I just thought I'd mention the other Tells from the Crypt movie because it's just such a weird, once again, a weird 90s relic. But what did you think of Demon Knight? Did you enjoy it? I mean, I loved it on the base level. I mean, like it it, it really is like a fun haunted house movie. And um, Billy Zane is on one in this movie. I mean, he is going. Uh, there's chewing scenery and then there's whatever he's doing in here. This guy's chewing it up, shitting it out and eating it again. Like he is, he he is going hog buck wild in this movie. And it is really something. It's really something to see. And, um, you know, something else. I mean, I loved it as it was just, you know, a, a really, really fun horror movie. Um, but I also loved. did you ever watch the original tales of the tales from the crypt? Oh yeah, dude. I own it on, I have a box set of it. I watch it all the time. So it was on HBO. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was like one of their original staple shows. So this is a, this is a, (laughs) this is an anthology like horror series that was on HBO hosted by a puppet named the Crypt Keeper. Right? Yeah. For anybody, (laughs) for anybody who doesn't know. And the Crypt Keeper himself is, what a creation he is. I mean, he's he's so like it's such a cool, funny looking puppet. And he's got this amazing voice. And it's like, dude, I think this might be horror comedy perfected. Because and just for anybody who 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 has never seen this, and I I I'm not that familiar with it, but the movie begins with and ends with like a sketch featuring the crib keeper. And it's like this is peak comedy to me. Like, I'm not kidding. This is, this is hilarious, man. This like little skeleton crib keeper guy. And they're making a big deal about like, we're not a TV show anymore. We're a movie. And so he's wearing a little director pants and he's, (laughs) 
he's in a director's chair like he's Cecil B. DeMille. <laughs> oh man, dude, I can't get enough of the motherfucking Crypt Keeper. I gotta, I, I gotta hunt up Tales from the Crypt and rewatch some of those old episodes because I mean, this shit is just. It is the most watchable shit imaginable. Seeing the little Crypt Keeper get into all kinds of shenanigans, and he he makes all these terrible puns. You know, it, dude. It, watching it felt like watching, um, looking. You ever like watching an old home movie from when you were a kid and you don't remember it, but you see all your family members? Like that's what it felt like watching this because I was like, oh my god, so many of my horror movie cultural references probably come from tales from the crypt, but I don't even remember it, you know? Um, yeah, dude. And I'm not saying that they're all bangers. Like he, there was some, there was some episodes that didn't work, but for the most part, like there was a fun show to watch. William Sadler, actually, I believe he's in the very first one, uh, the very first episode because he, for, for those of you that don't know, he's also a Stephen King, uh, adaptation. OG. Like the Mist, Shawshank Redemption, hmm. uh, the Green Mile. Like he he is in he's in a lot of he's kind of like a horror icon essentially. Not in a, not in the type of way where like he dies gruesomely in all of them, but just he's like a constant fixture in a lot of these movies. And he's not he's he's a good actor. So he he kind of tries to do his best with this movie, and then Billy Zane just comes in like the Kool Aid Man and just rips apart yeah. any aspect. <laughs> Of this movie being taken seriously. <laughs> Rips a hole in the screen. Uh, no, dude, I, I really enjoyed this movie and I, I could not dude, the, the little Crypt Keeper was a revelation for me. I was like, dude, I got, I need more of this Crypt Keeper ASAP. Like, <laughs> dude, you should look up some of his episodes. I mean, and, and all, all the listeners should too. Like uh, you guys should, cause I'm sure they're all over online. Like I have like a, just an old DVD box set, but I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're all over. I don't know if they're streaming on HBO max or not. But yeah, I mean, I would imagine, I would imagine they've got to be, I mean, well, who knows? Maybe not, but, um, yeah, dude, it just, just everything that I feel like I love about Halloween, I felt like just came back to life when I was watching this little Crypt Keeper sketches. I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. This is, I don't know. It was like, took me right back to my childhood, you know? Um, and we should mention, and I think this is a good way to segue into the next movie, which I don't think you watched, but I w- I'll talk about briefly. Um, Ernest R. Dickerson, uh, real ass director making this movie, right? So it's not, yeah. it's not, uh, this is not just like some schlock. This is, this guy really does some great visual stuff in this movie that's really impressive. And he, he has an eye, he has an artist's eye and a director's eye for, um, for some of this stuff. And it's, uh, I mean, he yeah. worked with Spike Lee. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's legit. Yeah, Spike Lee is a cinematographer through like uh, uh, most of his movies, I think, um, and uh, a good director in his own right. Uh, Juice Bones, you know, unfortunately didn't get to do much else, but um, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about uh, Death by Temptation really quick. Oh yeah, because I had, not only have I never seen this, I've never heard of it. Yeah, this was um, he he was the cinematographer on this. Okay. Uh, on this movie. And, you know, there's a whole world of uh, black cinema in like the late 80s and early 90s that I'm really unfamiliar with and that Criterion has been releasing a lot of stuff lately. Um, and I've really been kind of meaning to dig into it, like, um, y- you know, Love and Basketball and um, Deep Love and Cub- Basketball is great. 
yeah, deep cover. You know, there's a lot. There's That's a great whole, too. Um, uh, and there's a couple other ones I'm not thinking of. But you know, this is the scene that Denzel came out of. This is the scene that um, Samuel L. Jackson came out of. In fact, Samuel L. Jackson is in Death by Temptation. Um, so. Death by Temptation is directed by a guy named James Bond III. Um, what and, a name. Yeah, what a name. And basically it is about um, a young young black guy who wants to be a minister, but goes to visit his cousin in New York City, uh, almost as kind of like a rumspringer type thing where he's like, I want to be a minister, but I want to get, I want to see more of life, you know, before I make the final decision. So I'm going to go hang out with my cousin in New York. And his cousin is like a, you know, cool character, you know, just a cool New York guy, 1990, you know, got, I mean, dressed out in, you know, Jordans and stuff. And he's got this cool apartment, you know, it's, it's a really, it's, it's really cool the way that they do it. And the cinematography is real, late 80s New York, you know, a lot of neon, um, you know, we've, we've talked about a lot of movies like this to take place in like late 80s and early 90s New York, kind of like a bad lieutenant type vibe, you know, um, except for all the characters in the movie are black. Like it's, it's, it's like, like juice or something, you know, it's a, it's a, or belly is another great example. It's, it's a, um, like a, like a, a key part of like black cinema, um, in the early nineties. And, you know, as far as plots go, I don't really know. (laughs) There's a woman and she is an evil succubus and she is, she has taken her vengeance on every man who will sleep with her. And boy, there's a lot of them. And, uh, so there's some insane kills. It's really low budget. And, uh, you know, the cinematography is really beautiful but it's really low budget. And there's some real like character moments in this movie. Like this is essentially about a man and his cousin, you know, trying to get, trying to like fight off this, uh, this evil succubus woman. Um, and then a cop joins in who's, who's kind of like an FBI agent or whatever. That's basically what it is. That's basically the general plot of the movie, but it's really fun, man. There's a lot of, like I said, there's a lot of beautiful cinematography there's a lot of great character moments. Um, you can tell it's really low budget though. And there's a lot of, um, there's some logical lapses in the plot where like, you're like, wait a second, did they film this scene before they filmed the other scene? You know, before they had <laughs> finished the story, you know, like, uh, some gaps in logic. Um, but this is all vibes, you know, this movie is all vibes and, uh, really, really, really good. So yeah, no, I would highly recommend it. Um, especially since you already know, you know, you already know Ernest Dickerson and, and that whole scene and everything. And it's, uh, yeah, it's a really good movie. I would really recommend it and beautifully restored by vinegar syndrome. I didn't know this until after I watched it cause it looks incredible and I didn't know it was a vinegar syndrome restoration, but, um, it is, and it, it's, it's really good. So yeah, highly recommend death by temptation and just the way she kills these guys is, just unbelievable, man. It, it's uh, and, and there's <laughs> there's a, a haunted Ronald Reagan at some point. Somebody gets sucked into a TV. By the end of the movie, nothing is making sense, but there's all kinds of cool shit going on. So, um, hey, as long as, it, as long as they keep it cool, dude. Hard recommend. Hard recommend for Death by Temptation. So, um, okay, I'll check it out. All right. So, what else should we talk about? 
Well, I guess we can just go ahead and rip the Band-Aid off of what I think is uh, the worst movie on this list, and it's not even close, of the ones I've seen. Okay. And it was so bad, I almost couldn't finish it. And wow. that is Frankenhooker. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, I, I will say this. It's Okay, so the movie is about uh, this guy. They're having a party, and, and his uh, girlfriend gets sucked up in a lawnmower, <laughs> and he steals her head. <laughs> well, we should mention his fucking fat-ass girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> he steals her head. And it's like a take on Frankenstein. Like, so then he decides to put her together with pieces of hookers that blew up smoking explosive crack. Uh, you could probably put your listener out there. You can probably put the plot together just by the title Frankenhooker, you know? Yes, that's true. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not a fan of movies that are so bad they're good type thing like i'm not a fan of like you know we've talked about that before in this podcast a little bit mm -hmm. like if it's if, if it's a movie if i like the movie i like the movie like it's good like i'm not gonna like really make excuses for it typically but um but this it's just not what i don't i don't like movies like this like it was so bad and so over the top stupid i literally got no joy out of watching this movie yeah, see, I I really enjoyed it. This is I, I thought the the comedy really worked for me. I mean, I I don't know, maybe I'm just irony poisoned to the to the point where like I found everything in this movie funny, um, and not in like a so bad it's good way. In like a no, no, I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed this movie because, um, and I want to clarify my remark. I was not just randomly calling this woman a fat ass she, oh yeah uh, yeah i meant to get back i meant to get back to that <laughs> yeah you really kind of hung me out to dry there we just Sorry. Moved on. <laughs> um the reason i said that is because the movie acts like she's a she's a perfectly normal sized woman and i mean thin even and the movie is like look at this fat ass she's eating pretzels like <laughs> she she can't put down the pretzels like <laughs> and so she's like i wish i was skinnier and then she gets she gets fucking eaten by a lawnmower, basically. Um, but, dude, th this to me is like not to get to, you know, film studies with it or anything. But this is a real funny look at male desire, I think, to me, because it's like I can see that. Yeah. Like, he, like you think about it. He, he's going <laughs> because we <laughs> the prostitutes die. How does he get all these prostitute parts? Well, he makes them smoke super crack. Which, in case you're wondering what that is, it's uh, crack cocaine, but big giant rocks. So it's called super crack. Um, and he already figures they're going to kill themselves anyway because they're smoking it already. So he's not doing anything that bad by just uh, expediting the process. Right, right. <laughs> That's all you're doing. You're just fast forwarding. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um. So all these hookers die in an explosion and he takes all of their parts and... He that's then that's where the, the I think the, the kind of, uh, you know, take on male desire comes that he gets to pick all the best parts. You know, he picks the best you know boobs, picks the best ass and the best legs and everything. And before the women get blown up, he's like measuring their thighs. And um, and of course, does it turn out to be this uh, beautiful girl of his dreams? Uh, no, she goes on a rampage. Um and kills a lot of people and that's you know so it's it's maybe a little on the nose but i enjoyed it i thought it was funny and um 
I don't know. I laughed. I, I uh, this is kind of a stupid movie, but I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really funny. Um, well, let's not forget also that when he brings her back, she's based. She's just repeating what the hookers have been saying the whole movie. That's right. Like, yeah. Want a date? And then she gets somebody to say yes. And she ends up like exploding people. And I did a little research because I was curious as to why they shied away from most of the violence and ratings were a lot differently, worked a lot differently back then than they do now. Uh, So essentially they were trying to avoid an NC 17 rating. And if what I read was correct, that was the first year they introduced the NC 17 rating. Oh, okay. So they were trying to avoid that. So they could not show the violence because there's barely like when they blow up, they basically use mannequins like it looks like it looks fake. It looks like mannequins. Mm -hmm. And the end of this movie is nonsensical. The thing that I like, you know, we don't have to spoil it, but like there's a thing that comes out of a tub of like a freezer and shit gets weird. And the end of it, though, kind of does end on something like there is something I, I think a little deeper there. Yes. Um, you know, with how, with how it ends and what the final line of the movie is. So I do think there's something there. I just didn't like it. The ending is, I, I will say this, this is one of those movies where the vibes quote unquote really kind of rest on the edge of a knife. You know, like it's either you're either going to be really vibing with this movie or you're really going to be like, this is disgusting. I hate this, you know? <laughs> um, but yeah, no, the ending is really, yeah, no, I don't, we don't want to spoil that ending in case anybody watches it, but it is, uh, yeah, man, it's, it, it, this movie's a banger. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I would say watch the first 15 minutes and if you're not, if, if you're not on the same frequency, then you're probably not going to enjoy it. But if you, if you find yourself laughing when, uh, she gets absolutely fucking destroyed by that lawnmower, which I don't even know how that happens, by the way, like. The lawnmower basically just destroyed her entire body. Um, but, uh, hey, it's the magic of movies, folks. Well, the um, guy that played the lead, I, I think his name was like James, Lor- James Lorenz or something. Mm-hmm. He was insufferable. Yes, like, yes. He was so creepy and so weird. First of all, how did he, get, how did he even get his girlfriend to begin with? But mm. also, like, he puts drill, he puts a drill bit in his head. Like... It's just so fucking weird, dude. The whole thing is just, it, it's, yeah, it was just not my cup of tea. I, I think if there is a flaw, if there is a flaw to this movie, <laughs> it's definitely the lead performance because he's just, he's really leaning a little too hard. Like he, he he's almost doing like a Jerry Lewis kind of nebbish kind of, you know, Jewish comedy. Yeah. Type and thing. this is not Nutty Professor. Like that's right. Like, and it's damn, like, this ain't yeah. the movie for that, buddy. You're, you're not the primary, like, I really think he should have played it like a straight man, you know. Um, but you know, what, what are you going to do? It's the movie called Frankenhooker. Also, Frankenhooker, you know, not bad, not bad. I'll tell you that. He's like, she's purple, and I'm like, I, her makeup looks great. She was wearing very, very <laughs> modern makeup, in my opinion. You know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sure. They a lot of kudos for a very original name. <laughs> I mean, this is right there at the title, you know, like not very many movies, you know, whether or not you want to watch it based on the title. And this is this is one of them. Um, That is true. All right. Where to next? 
Let's go to one that I haven't seen, but I'm very curious to see what you thought of it. And that is the rapture directed by, uh, Michael Tolkien, which is, uh, the synopsis says the telephone operator living an empty, amoral life finds God and loses him again. So yeah, I mean, this, <laughs> this movie is, this is one of a kind. I can genuinely say I've never seen a movie like this. Um, okay. So 1991, Mimi Rogers, you know, plays the telephone operator and she's living just a filthy life. Like she's like having, you know, the nineties version of filthy. She's just having threesomes and you know, that's basically it really. <laughs> she's just, <laughs> she's, she's her boyfriend and her like, go to bars and just like pick up other attractive people and they just fuck like that's, you know, that's, that's the big empty amoral life. Um, and David Duchovny is one of those, uh, men that she picks up and becomes kind of a paramour of hers throughout the movie. Um, and then she finds God, basically she finds religion and she becomes kind of a religious zealot. Um, and then the rapture happens. (laughs) Jesus. Okay. Then then the rapture happens. And this all sounds very kind of goofy and like out of nowhere, but dude, it is really, it is really well done. I mean, the rapture is one of those things where, I mean, if you're raised like me and you, you know, the rapture was one of those things that I thought about all the time as a kid, because it was just pounded into our heads that one day God was going to come back and basically make all the Christians disappear and reappear in heaven. You know, and it's rarely depicted on movies except for like Christian movies, you know, about like Left Behind or some shit. Um, And the rapture is legit depicted in this movie. And it's really fascinating. Um, Yeah, I I don't want to say much more than that. Although I do think I do think this is really one of the best movies I've ever seen that deals with religion because she Mimi Rogers straight up converts. She is living this hedonistic lifestyle she finds it empty and so she converts and she finds God and um, I don't want to spoil anything else than that, but this is, this is more in common with the Ingmar Bergman movie than anything else on this list. Um, Barely a horror movie, I would say. Um, Yeah. Hard watch. I mean, you just, you just kind of got to see it. You know what I mean? It really, it really is something. Yeah. W- woman finds God and then the rapture happens. That's all I can really say about it. I really enjoyed it. Will Patton is in it. He's great. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I had the hard recommend uh, for anybody, especially yeah. anybody who has any experience with organized religion. I don't want to watch a horror movie to have like an existential crisis, though. That defeats the purpose of the horror movie. <laughs> OK, we'll put this one off till November then. Okay. Well, since you spoke so highly of it, I feel like I have to watch it now. But still, that's interesting. I did not expect you to uh to have that high of praise to sing for it. Well, when you, when I saw the rapture, I thought I thought the rapture was like sexual rapture or whatever, or like the rapture of pleasure, and then I was like, God damn it, they really are showing the rapture. This is wild. Um So yeah, it I'm not look, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying this is the greatest movie. And, you know, it doesn't work in all the ways, but man, it's, it's really interesting. There's a lot going on here. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, that's, that's my, that's my, the rapture take. It's a hard movie to talk about too, unless, 
unless everybody's seen it. You know, it's not it's not that fun to talk about. Um, uh, well, it's not that fun to talk about. Period, because it's kind of like a deep existential crisis of this woman. But um, yeah, recommend definitely recommend. Yeah, and you know, guys, we typically try not to do movies where both of us haven't seen it. Um, but for this particular episode with with that many movies um there were just going to be a couple but we wanted to just kind of do the whole collection like we said so yeah you got a long time listeners know we typically don't tackle movies both of us haven't seen because you know there's not a lot of conversation to be had but i i and the listeners would like to know because it is a halloween collection like a horror collection and uh, a nice little rundown is good every now and then so sure which one uh, should we do next body parts Okay. Uh, saw this one years ago. I liked it. I like Jeff Fahey. Uh, this is one that was we've seen a lot of derivative works about it. Like after losing his arm in a car accident, a criminal psychologist has it replaced with a limb that belonged to a serial killer. Like, mm. for instance, I saw a movie a couple of years ago where like they had an eye transplant and it was the eyes of a of a of a killer who saw some, like, you know, so we've seen sure. this happen before with, with other parts. Um, it's just a really fun idea. It's a fun movie. I remember really liking it. It's also, you can watch it for free on freebie or criterion. Like, I don't know. I like this movie. What did you think? Well, I, it's interesting. I went into it. I thought it was going to be a, um, a goofy movie. Cause I, I watched it right after Frankenhooker and I just reading the, synopsis i was like oh this is gonna be like dr strange love but like the whole movie you know where his arm attacks him you know yeah um but it's actually it's actually like this somber character study of this guy who you know he's a criminal psychologist and he's really wrestling with the fact that like is this am i having some kind of like crazy thoughts and you know because this killer's arm is implanted in me or are these just inherent to me and it's finally coming out? You know what I mean? It like, it's really kind of a psychological horror movie. Um, I think more than anything. And I, I was surprised by that. I was not expecting it. Um, that being said, I sound like a broken record here, but man, I really liked all these movies. I don't know what to say. Um, yeah. How did you possibly like all of them? Dude, I, I maybe I'm in a good mood from watching all these horror movies in Halloween. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I enjoyed it um also 90s dude i mean anything in the 90s i feel like i'm, I'm just gonna i'm just gonna normally love uh or at least like at the very least um that is true the 90s had a lot of just even if they weren't great they were still fun to watch yeah there's just so much shit going on in these movies you know like and even if um and i also think watching a lot of them made me have less expectations for each one because i was just kind of watching one right after the other and i was just like I don't know, man. I was in the zone. I was just having fun watching movies. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, like I said, broken record. I like this one too. It's uh, it was a fun movie, really kind of disturbing um, and really kind of slow, but boy, those last 10 minutes are a banger. Like, cause the guy who um, the guy whose arm, uh, you know, who, who sacrifices his arm or, or not sacrifices, but the guy whose arm they takes tries to get it back. And it turns the last 10 minutes into basically an action movie. And he handcuffs the other guy's arm so he can try to rip it off. And Jeff Fahey is in one car and he's driving the other. And it's like, 
oh my god like it was really intense <laughs> like action scene it was really fun um yeah i like this movie man i don't know well like i said i remember liking it so but i do remember like yeah it definitely wasn't a goofy movie like you know like like a frankenhooker type the uh the vibes were incredibly different and yeah it's one of those like kind of self-serious 90s movies which i appreciate yeah no that's a really good way to describe it there was that was kind of a thing in the 90s wasn't it where like it would be like the stupidest fucking premise you've ever heard and it just takes itself so deadly seriously you know which is a lot of fun most of the time oh yeah no i agree uh, speaking of a movie like that, let's move on to another movie I, I have seen, but I did not watch, rewatch for this episode. It's pretty basic. These days, this would be a Lifetime movie, in my opinion. Uh, when a Stranger Calls Back. Uh, this, <laughs> this movie. Oh, sorry. Was I supposed to go? <laughs> no, 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 no. It just, made me, it just made me laugh because, like, I remember, like, growing up, like, in, like it was much more common when we were kids for like babysitters from church or school. And like, so this was like a very real fear mm. in like eighties and nineties, you know, um, the movie's about a young babysitter all alone in the house with two children asleep and is bothered by a stranger. And of course the phone's dead or the phone, like there's always like the phone's dead or disconnected. They always had to put them in these situations mm. and like, this movie's so cheesy, and I, it would definitely be a Lifetime movie these days, but I remember liking it for what it was, like, never really felt the need to ever rewatch it, but I do remember liking it. Yeah, I, um, you're dead right. This has all the features of a Lifetime movie, and we've, we've kind of talked about the genre in the past. We haven't really explored it that much, and I don't know of a name for it other than just, like, the Woman in Trouble movie, you know? Like, yeah. uh, Blue Steel, I think we talked about as one of those movies um, where it's just like a woman is in trouble and she's trying to not fucking die. <laughs> like, and that's that's really <laughs> it, you know, and, you know, like I said, broken record again. But it's like these movies, you know, you used to be able to make movies like this for five, ten million dollars. And, you know, there'd be like you said, lifetime movies or be made for TV. This one actually was made for TV for Showtime. Um, yeah. And uh, it's a sequel too. We should mention that it's a sequel to the original When a Stranger Calls. Have you seen that one? I have, which I love. Anytime, like you know that we we got a little more fancy with movie titles uh, over the last ten years or so, but for a while they weren't very fancy. And it's like, <laughs> what are we going to call the sequel? And it's like, how about he calls back? <laughs> stranger calls because it's like it's like Back. that great that other tv movie that was based on a stephen king novel i believe called sometimes they come back and right. then it did really well and they were like okay let's do a sequel well, what are we gonna call it what about sometimes they come back again <laughs> some, i was like I, I love that shit some sony executive got paid you know seven hundred fifty thousand dollars to come up with that title Probably you just tack on one word. I right. love it. I got it. Um, yeah. So when a stranger calls, I mean, when a stranger calls is actually, I think the more famous, the original is probably more famous because it has kind of a, a famous opening sequence that is, you know, people say it's one of the, the tensest kind of uh, scenes in movie history. And 
I don't know. I'm not, I don't have a uh, running count or anything, but sure. Why not? It's really effective scene. Um, and I think the opening to this is really effective too. Um, but yeah, I will say once it gets past the opening, things kind of, um, you know, die down a little bit and it sounds boring, but this movie actually kind of turns into Carol Kane's character kind of coaching, um, the younger girl through trauma almost, you know what I mean? Like it really, a lot yeah. of her is like dealing with the fallout of, um, you know, cause she's like, I want you to come stay at my apartment tonight for however long you like. And the girl's like, well, how long is that? Like, you know what I mean? Like I could be being stalked tomorrow. I could, or I could not hear anything until five years from now, you know? And she's like, I want to live a life. And it really is kind of like, it's one of those moments where you're like, my God, like what, what would, what would it be like to, for, for this, for, to deal with it, to be a woman and to deal with this, you know what I mean? And of course nobody believes you and there's that whole thing. So like, yeah, I, I don't know. It's kind of a disturbing movie in that way. And then towards the end, it really gets into like, we really go in gonzo then we're, we're in Buffalo bill from silence of the lambs mode where this motherfucker is a ventriloquist and, and and just a bunch of wild shit is happening. But for most of the movie, it's just kind of a meditation on like dealing with something really bad that's happened to you. And, um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I found it like disturbing, not on a horror movie level on like a Jesus Christ, people really deal with this shit, you know? Um, Oh, I, I, I think that's, there's always like that, that human aspect to it that I do think is disturbing. I agree with you. All right. So, yeah, I mean, I would recommend it. I mean, it's made for TV. I thought it was good. Uh, like I said, I liked all these movies. Let's talk about the Abel Ferreira movie briefly, because this is one that you've seen, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this movie's fantastic. This one, I would say, is probably the most conventionally good out of all these movies, I think. Um, the one most likely to ever be released on the Criterion Collection, for example. Um well, I, I guess with the exception of in the mouth, uh, in the mouth of madness, but, um, yeah, Lily Taylor plays a, uh, PhD student who basically gets turned into a vampire and it's a whole, how would you describe it? It's like, it's like, uh, it treats vampires like they're heroin addicts in the, in the West village in the nineties, uh, basically. Um, and it's pretty yeah, cool. I, no, it it is cool. And I mean, it's just. It's very art house, you know, it's barely even feature length film, Hmm. Uh, black and white, black and white. But you've got a lot of Sopranos uh, people in this. I mean, obviously, Christopher Walken is in it. Uh, I mean, it's just such a it's just such an interesting movie. Sometimes like it kind of feels like, for lack of a better term, like up its own ass a little bit. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, like I think it works and I'm a big Ferrera fan anyway, so yeah, the greatest thing about this, there's a there's a great um, uh, letterboxed review um, where he this guy lists all the great quotes from Abel Ferrara on the new Blu-ray commentary. Um, and like, <laughs> it's just like you can tell that he doesn't like you think the movie's up its own ass and then you re- you see some quotes from the commentary and you're like, oh, man, he was just playing. You know, oh, like, absolutely. Yeah, that there's there's a great it's a 30. I think it's like a 34 minute documentary 
a mini documentary of, of just interviews and him on the streets of New York. And it's fantastic. I think it's on YouTube as well for anybody that wants to watch it. Yeah. Like he's really just riffing. Like this is not like a, I'm trying to think of somebody else. If they directed this movie, it would be so pretentious and so annoying, but like Ferrari is really just riffing. Like he doesn't, I, I don't think there's a real point to be had here. You know, there's just bad shit is happening you know, vampires, you know, the heroin addiction, and then let's fucking go make a movie, you know? Um, yeah, it's kind of somber. It's, it's most of the time she's just wandering around. She's just wandering around the fucking streets. Um, and the ending is spectacular. Um, I don't know anything else on the addiction before we finish it up with the next one. No, that's pretty much it, man. I, I just you know this. This is one of the. It's a very simple movie. Like, there's yeah. not. There's a. There's once you watch it, I believe there's like threads you can follow. But for the most part, it was just like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna tackle this and treat it like a sickness. And we've seen vampirism treat it like a sickness in other movies, but this is probably the most, not just art house, but also like real world application. Of like, mm. no, this is a fucking drug addict. This isn't, this isn't like treating it like it's like, oh, the humans have learned to get along with the vampires. This is like, no, this is she's she's like a drug addict. So I just it's yeah. There's some unique things in this, and obviously with the inclusion of philosophy, there opens up a lot of possibilities for conversations about existence and and all that. So yeah, you bring up a good point. I may have poo pooed that a little. I may have like just glossed over that a little bit, but that, that is a really fruitful and interesting metaphor, right? Like how would this actually play out in society, you know, and having it be like drug addiction is, is probably one of the ways it could go, you know? Um, yeah, it's really, it's I'd, really, I'd still, li- I'd still oh, sorry, be like, sign me up. I just, I just said, I'd still be like, sign me up. Like, right. Cause I, you want to live yeah. forever no matter what. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. So man, dude, I, I can't take one life, man. I can't, <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I don't know if I could take multiple ones, man. I'd be somebody. How did vampires die again? Stake through the heart. I mean, it depends on your lore. You know, there's, there's, okay, there's, right. calm down, nerd boy. All right. I'm just saying it depends on the lore. Um, oh, it depends on the lore. <laughs> Let me look at the, the last lore. movie. The last movie I have not seen, but I am watching it and I meant to watch it for this episode, but I just had some stuff come up. Uh, it's called Dust Devil. And all I, th- this movie had me at like a hitchhiker who turns out to be a shape shifting serial killer. And I was like, I'm a hundred percent down to watch this movie. And it takes place in Africa. Like I'm, I'm down, but how, yeah, how this, was it? It does what it says on the tin it takes place in Namibia, which I don't know if anybody knows anything about Namibia. They have these like amazing deserts that are like uh, otherworldly, like truly it, not, not even like Lawrence of Arabia shit. Like these deserts are like sand is a unique color. And, um, yeah, it's really, really beautiful. So it's filmed and takes place in Namibia, and um, the dust, the dust devil himself is just a fucking guy. I don't, you know, somebody these, some of these horror movies are always better when they just don't explain shit. Like this guy is just a guy. He's just the dust devil, and he just goes around, and he's got all the he he kills and he knifes and he he fucks and he no one any he shapeshifts and nobody really knows what he is and nobody really cares you know 
Um, and then there's a there's a cop. He's on the hunt uh, uh, for him. And then of course there's a woman who is leaving her husband and uh, runs into the titular Dust Devil. And um, you know, so th- those three characters kind of converge, and that's that's basically the main strand of the movie. Um, this movie makes no sense. It's completely hallucinatory, right? Like it is, we just get, there's a lot of like African witch doctor stuff in here, um, which the movie seems to come by it. Honestly, I mean, it's a Miramax movie from the nineties, but it seemed, you know, I don't know, maybe there's some racial elements that are unsavory in this thing. I don't know, but it, it, it really, um, I thought it came by it honestly. And it's pretty, it's pretty frightening and pretty just hallucinatory and weird and doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, good movie, good vibes, uh, freaky, a lot of fire, a lot of explosions. Um, yeah, yeah. That's all I can really say about it. Good movie recommend. Well, I'm definitely going to watch it. So I, I may end up clearing out this, uh, this collection before the end of the month. Um, just to kind of, you know, experience some of the ones that, since you seem to like them all, I'm very interested in uh in checking them out. So, yeah, you know, I really did. I mean, it's um, I don't know, maybe I feel like maybe I was a little bit of an easy mark on this, uh, just because I really enjoyed him. But I think I was just in the mood for him, man. Like this '90s horror. I mean, you know, sign me up. I really enjoyed all these, and uh, would definitely recommend honestly any of them. If any of them even sound interesting to any of our listeners, um, you know, check them out. Well, I mean, you know, to be honest, the fact that you like Frankenhooker sickens me, but that's okay. <laughs> I think I just thought Frankenhooker was I think it's my type of woman. You know, she looks she she looks like kind of dead, but it's very clearly just makeup, you know, and it's like I don't know, and she's saying like hooker phrases, you know. I was like, is that is this the ideal woman? You know, I don't know. Maybe it is. Well, we're gonna get out of here before this gets weird. Oh, it's um... gotten weird. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, dude, I'm sorry. Just like saying want a date and then grabbing someone and kissing them. And like, like the dude's head comes off and he's like, Oh baby. And it's like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? Dude, sign me up. I'd do that in a heartbeat. Where's uh, Frankenhooker? That's how I want to go, man. Where <laughs> Can we do a Frankenhooker? I want to be a victim of Frankenhooker. Uh, Hey, it's, it's, it's possible. And it seems to be rather quick. There's no, there's not a lot of pain involved. So quick and, quick and painless, you know, but, uh, anyway, guys, we hope you enjoyed this changing things up a little bit and talking about quite a few movies. Let us know if you watch any of these, let us know if some of these are your favorites or if you, uh, if you have some, you don't like, I'd, I'd be curious to see what people think about Frankenhooker. Maybe I'm missing something. I don't know, but anyway, feel free to hit us up on Twitter. We are active again on Instagram after taking a brief, uh, year and a half hiatus. <laughs> I have returned to Instagram. Uh, So we're we're on that as well. So yeah, guys, hit us up. Let us know what you think. Aside from that, do you have anything to add before we get out of here? Nah, man, let's wrap it up. Guys, hope you enjoyed this. Rate and review wherever you listen. It is a huge help. iTunes, Spotify, any of that helps that algorithm. And we'll see you next week at the Silver Screen Videos.